0: Hello and welcome to Mindfulness Music and More. I'm your host, Charlene Ibala-Lucas. You have been listening to over 25 shows in Season 4 alone, and it's now time for you to join the conversation. And so this October, we're bringing you the Kenyan premiere of the highly acclaimed The Manic Monologues. Directed by award-winning actor, writer and director, Mugambi Thiga, the show features a stellar cast of some of the most celebrated actors in Kenyan theatre. This groundbreaking performance will showcase captivating stories from those touched by mental illness. You'll hear true stories about struggle and pain, but also triumph and joy. These diverse, moving narratives will greatly challenge your assumptions about what it means to live with a mental health condition. Want to know more? Well, stay with me for the next hour as we talk about mental health and mindfulness, play some music, meditate together, and of course, talk about the manic monologues. My first guest today is an award-winning voice stage and screen actor with more than 10 years experience in the creative arts sector. She has taken up lead roles and featured in some of Kenya's highly celebrated shows, notably Showmax's County 49, Crime and Justice, and Igiza, Mnet's two-time award-winning Swahili telenovela Selina ktn's tv drama my two wives ntv's pendo and citizens citizen tv's makutano junction (laughs) so much and she doesn't even look old enough to have done so much she's also graced our theater with back to basics in stage plays such as *Biko zulu's breathe one two and three free fall and decompress and heartstrings Kenya's Enough is Enough, and this is Kenya. In May 2022, she also participated in a 12 day art exchange residency in Rome, Italy. I could talk about her for hours, but I do want to bring her on. She describes herself as God fearing, smart, and sexy. Well, Zenge, welcome to Mindfulness Music and More. Thank you so much, Shalini.
1: Yes, those three words really describe me
0: God fearing, smart, and sexy. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you are super smart and sexy. Um. Wakiwa, I was reading it and I was getting tongue-tied because you have done so much. And I know you're saying 10 years. When did you start? Because you don't look old enough to have done so much. Professionally, I started
1: freelancing in 2014. uh, But I had already started doing uh, theatre back in uni. And also when I left uni, the heartstrings things I did, the plays, I did before 2014. But at that time, I was not doing it full-time. I was, you know, juggling in between journalism, cultural journalism at Arifi, also broadcasting at, uh, at Nation. So I was juggling in between jobs. But from 2014, I started doing it on a full time basis.
0: That's often the other way around, because quite often people who do acting, because it's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough to make a living in Kenya. On t- Is it actually in acting I think, yeah, it is an
1: unpredictable industry. And, uh, yeah, you are getting to an industry with a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. But I think uh, for me, what worked best was I wanted to lay a foundation for myself. There are certain things that I wanted to achieve as a person before getting into this unpredictable industry. So uh, those personal goals that I wanted to achieve, I made sure that I've achieved them by working, you know, in corporate and also working freelancing as well at that time, mixing them up uh, to create that you know, like the runway before the takeoff. And then now when I I felt like I'm ready now to take off and go into the industry full time, even if it's unpredictable.
0: That's interesting because a lot of people who find the unpredictability not a great way to live, might have a family, might want to have the bread and butter money, go the other way. They might look for a presenting job Mm -hmm. or go or, or give up acting and the showbiz world completely and go into corporate You did it the other way around.
1: Yeah, because our biggest issue is recurrent expenses. Mm. So if you're able to take care of one of the biggest recurrent expenses, which is really rent, if you're able to take that out of the way, then you can be able to, you know, to dive into this unpredictable industry. Because I'm sure... you can every day get out there and look for food. Mm. You can be able to get food. But you see, the problem with rent is that rent keeps accumulating. Even if you don't pay this month, next month is still going to catch up with you. Absolutely. And so I think everyone just needs to have their own strategy on what you want to get rid of that is recurrent to you. Then get rid of that. And then now you can be able to enjoy an unpredictable industry like theater and film.
0: I'm I'm loving hearing your voice because you are oh. a voiceover artist as well. But you have, as you say, sexy. It's very sexy. <laughs> um, and I can't wait for our, our next guest to come on because he too has a sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it about doing voiceover work? What is What does that entail? What does it mean for somebody who might not have heard it? You know, we do... We do hear voiceover every time in, when you watch TV and stuff, but you don't think of it as that.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: is voiceover?
1: Interesting you ask because most people do not understand what you do uh, if you're a voiceover artist. Okay. And whenever I introduce myself as a voiceover artist, I get that question like, huh? what? What does that mean? And um, so the audio industry, that's what I refer to it. The audio industry is a very lucrative industry and voice is just part of it. There's a technical aspects of it as well. But uh, a voice artist, what they do is that they voice. (laughs) They speak over a product. They either market the product, they either tell a story or they sell a perspective. So Whenever you hear that advertisement running on radio, that's a voice of an artist doing that. Whenever you hear a documentary, that's a voice of an artist doing that. Uh, Whenever you hear like um, a callback, that's a voice of an artist. I've heard
0: that voice before. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So that's what we do. We put the voice over a text and so that it's easily communicated.
0: It sounds amazing. Is there anything that you're particularly proud of that you've done as a voiceover artist? Ooh, there's uh
1: Oh my god, I feel like I will be in takwana I can't speak saheli. Anyway, of uh, uh, okay, there's there's a lot of stuff that I've done that is very meaningful. Uh projects that I do with CGIR, which is uh, a gender platform that works on uh the, you know, um women in agribusiness and how to give them an upper hand even with the gender parity that is gone ongoing. Uh, I've done documentaries that I did a docu series called uh, Women of the World which was a showcase of powerful women in the society and it just uh, it just wowed me the stories that women are the stories of women who are achieving so much in societies and just one brick at a time mm. changing lives and changing societies and changing communities and countries in general
0: maybe stories of women we haven't heard of these women
1: exactly exactly it's not women who are doing magnificent things they're doing small things but really important and meaningful things so I think, I think those stories are, are some of the things that I'm really proud of, that my voice is part of it.
0: Yeah, and you have such an amazing voice, but you also have a fantastic stage personality. And how do I know this? Because <laughs> I came to see Breathe 3 at Loretto, and um, you and the next guest both stood out for me, which is really strange because when Mugambi came, when I started talking to Mugambi about the manic monologues, I said, put your wish list together. Of actors that you want, wow. and I will, I will back you, and I will not change anything. And uh, you both were on that wish list. Now I had already seen you, and when I saw that wish list, I was like, those two actors. Oh my! Goodness. I want. They were on my wish list yay to us (laughs) so and i remember you doing it was to do with domestic violence wasn't it an emotional abuse was Mm. that right the monologue
1: yes and that's the piece that i actually did with the actor who's about to join us
0: (laughs) okay we'll bring him in shortly but um i want to ask you very quickly when mugambi came to you and said there's this play about mental health did you um and ah or did was it a straight yes I mean, be completely honest. When,
1: when Mugambi uh, approached me, he first said, we're doing these monologues and I was like, I'm in.
0: He said this to me yesterday that you love monologues.
1: I do. Monologues is, uh, I think, one of the genres that are... Are very personal to me because storytelling is very big for me as a voice of an artist, as a as a stage performer, and also a screen actor. What we do mostly is tell stories, and for me, when I'm using my voice and uh, my acting skills all together to do a piece, I think that's when I'm I'm happiest. So monologues are very big for me. I feel uninterrupted when I'm telling this story, and that's that's powerful for me. Mm. It's uh, it's propelling uh, for me. I feel like it's a mini play from start to finish and stage is usually what what that's what plays are. They are not interrupted with, you know, cut, you know, let's take this shot, let's take this other shot. It's start to finish. And so monologues for me as a person are a very clear on where they're going. Mm. So this character is moving from here and moving to this particular point A to point B and their journey is very clear for me. So even in terms of preparation, I can do this by myself somewhere and I can come and deliver and then I can have the director give me their perspective. And then I love also uh performing it or sharing the monologue with people who are not in the industry like I would just tell them let's have this conversation about this and I would be doing my lines and then I just get their reaction. And that really helps me when I'm doing monologues. So monologues is the first thing that I was yes to Okay. before I had that it was about mental wellness. Yes. And and mental illness. And this is not something that um, I have been intentional about. Meant, you know, like talking about mental wellness and mental illness. But when he explained it to me and then he spoke about his personal journey briefly. And I was like, this is very meaningful and I always want to be part of anything that is meaningful, anything that is life-changing, anything that is going to um, make somebody introspect and see their lives in a different lens. I want to be part of it. And it's the same journey that I've been having with Back to Basics as well. Mm-hmm. The plays that we do, some of them written by the, the guest who's going to be joining us later. But um, it's those stories that when somebody leaves from the audience is changed and their life is transformed... Their perspectives are shifted. Their decisions are informed. That's what I want to be part wow, of.
0: Wow. Okay. So, so it, it spoke to you almost straight away. Yes. And in such a deep, meaningful way. I will talk about the table read later because that was quite an interesting experience. Um, but let's go to your first song choice. It's A Million Little Miracles by Elevation Worship and Maverick City. Why have you chosen this song? Uh,
1: there's a, my kids love that song first. And there's a part in that song where this guy who's leading the song says, even when my brother died, it's just that line and how his face looked like and how he said it. And then I went to research on what happened to this guy's Mm. brother and the guy had committed suicide, had uh, Died by suicide. suicide yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> We've had this conversation. <laughs> We've had this conversation. Died by suicide, and I was. I'm always mesmerized by people who truly and honestly depend on God. Even when, if I was in that situation, I'd probably be bashing God, and uh, feeling like He's deserted me, mm. and that encourage, encourages me in my personal life that. I will be in a shithole. Mm. I will be in problems. I will be in the darkest of valleys, but he remains to be God, and, and that's why it speaks to me.:
0: Okay. <laughs> well, let's have a listen.
2: All my life I've been carried by grace. Don't ask me how, cause I can't explain It's nothing short of a miracle, I'm here I've got some blessings that I don't deserve I've got some scars, but that's how you learn It's nothing short of a miracle, I'm here I think it over and it doesn't matter. I know it comes from above. I've got miracles on oh, miracles. A million little miracles. Yeah, Miracles on oh, miracles. Count your miracles. One, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. steady so i wouldn't give up you open doors that nobody could shut i hope i never
3: get over
2: Coincidence and it's not like I know it comes from above. I've got miracles on oh miracles, a million little miracles. Miracles on oh miracles. Count your miracles. One, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. Miracles on oh miracles. A million little miracles. Uh, miracles on oh, miracles. Count your miracles. One, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. I can't even, I can't even count them all. I can't even,
3: I can't even count them all. I can't
2: even I can't even count more. One, two, three, four. I can't even count. I can't even count. I can't even count. I try and I can't keep on even I can't even count. Yeah, I can't even count no more.
0: Yeah, <laughs> My second guest today is an actor, writer, director, radio and TV personality. He's featured in over 40 plays, winning the Jury Award for Excellence in Theatre in 2018. In the same year, he starred in 18 Hours, which won Best Movie in Africa at the 2018 Africa Magic Viewers' Choice Awards in Nigeria. Last year, he won Best Actor in a Lead Role at the Kenya Theatre Awards. A recipient of the Kalasha Award for Best TV Host for his work on The Great Kenyan Bake Off, he is also the breakfast show host on the National Broadcast KBC English Service. He describes himself as patient, different, animated. Nick Ndeda, welcome to Mindfulness Music and More.
4: Thank you for having me. It's very, very great to be here. The studio is nice. (laughs)
0: I feel like this you're now nice. going to be known as the guest who's coming on next because Wakio kept, we didn't want to say your name mm-hmm. because <laughs> I wanted to introduce you in this way. You That's are award winning. Wow. Lots of awards.
4: Uh, I'm very grateful for it. I'm very appreciative of it. Actually, do you know what I really, what really makes me, um, what really makes me happy about awards anyway? <clears throat> it's the fact that Every single time, every single thing I do, I always, I'm very intentional about Mm -hmm. things I do. So um, whenever I take on a new thing, if it's acting, if it's radio, if it's TV, I always tell myself, don't just do it. Do it really well, just so that you can be able to get yourself to a level where it will be appreciated. Because I really do believe that I work really hard, but it's not seen, and that's fine. It's not appreciated all the time, and that's okay too, but... One time, I think I do it for just that one time. I'll be like, because even for TV presenting, I remember when I first took it on, it was never something I thought about doing. I mean, I like watching TV. I love game shows and all that, but I never pictured myself hosting a TV show. And when I got the opportunity to, I said, don't just host it. Host it and be so good at it that everyone will acknowledge it. So when I got the Kalasha for for best TV host in 2020, that was very it was a very humbling and defining moment for me.
0: It's interesting, right? You're saying don't just do it for the sake of do it, but do it to the best of your ability. I mean, yeah. So you were that second actor that I saw on stage that I wanted on my wish list. And actually, I saw I saw Akio before you at the table. And I was like, I'm so excited to meet Nick (laughs) because I don't get starstruck very, very often. And I felt that you had a real presence. There was also a lot of comic you have great comic timing uh, on that so on so. the stage. Yeah, I loved it. So what was that like for you being on stage? Are you an actor first? Are you a TV host? Mm. Are you a present a radio host first? What where does your love lie?
4: I like that question. <laughs> I like that question. Because one door opened the other and the other and the other and the other. Primarily for me it's acting. Ah, that's my thing I, really? love, I love acting love have been acting since I was in high school so um, when I got out of high school and I literally told my parents okay because backstory quick I was not that strong academically um, as compared to my brothers so when we were done with our national exams in form 4 I was like chances are I probably won't do that well but I'm really good at acting what do you guys think about me pursuing a career as an actor and my parents were actually like sure Go ahead. Wow. It.
0: Most parents are like, no, get exactly. a proper job. <laughs>
4: exactly. So that's a mad shout out to my parents. Like, they've always been supportive of that. And when I got into acting, I did, I did theater for two years at Phoenix Players. Amazing place. And and also, I don't believe in coincidences.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Right?
4: It's all yeah. about Providence, right? Yeah. So I was an actor first doing theater plays my brother one day tells me he wants to go for a radio audition and he wants someone to accompany him so I accompany him to the radio audition I wasn't coming to audition I was just there to take my brother, the lady who was facilitating everything, gave me a really, really cool short speech about how we'd been standing outside in the heat for like three hours. And then the audition was 30 seconds long in a room with AC. She literally told me, it's 30 seconds. What do you have to lose? And I was like, you're right, lady. What do I have to lose? I went in, (laughs) did the audition. And a week later, I started working on radio.
0: Did your brother get a job?
4: He did not. but oh, are you still but talking? <laughs> silver lining, amazing silver lining. Three years later, he got a job on radio and he was a fantastic presenter for six years until he passed on. Oh,
0: I'm so, so, so sorry.
4: It's all right. So, yeah, see, that door opened that. And then writing, that's how writing came about. Because during my downtime, um, when I wasn't doing a radio show and I wasn't rehearsing a play, and I wasn't in class because I was also at the university. Imagine somehow I kind of got okay grades, and I managed to make it into uni. This guy, what?
0: So, <laughs> see what I, I mean about the comic timing. <laughs>
4: I used to use the downtime to write to write scripts, and I never thought they would go anywhere. And I must give a big shout out to Becky Molemu. She's the founder. Director for Breathe. Back to Basics. Back to
0: Basics,
4: yes. And uh, she's the one who kept on encouraging me to, to write more because she'd be like, I've seen stuff you've written like to short, short things and it's actually pretty good. Follow it up. So she kept on pushing me. Next thing I started writing plays. I wrote a, a short film. And it's almost out, super nervous about that and wrote also this very interesting comedy with a friend of mine called Vikash who were doing the the Manic monologues. We're super excited about that.
0: So it's really interesting, right? You have a great comic timing we've talked about, but I wanna take you back to you talked about your brother. Mm. And you just kind of threw it in there that he'd passed away. And I know Mm -hmm. that mental health is something that we talked a lot about at the table read and you shared a lot. But what is it about the manic monologues that perhaps brings up some of these feelings and thoughts about your own personal mental health?
4: Mm -hmm. Um, So there is this uh, this piece called The Drop. um, And it's about this guy who was in Stanford doing a PhD and it's very stressful environment over there. And, and he, he was, uh, I remember the director Mugambi and I were talking about this yesterday and, and we realized that from the, from the outset, it might look like this is imposter syndrome. That's just really, it's really like metastasized, so to speak. However, it's actually more of, it's a, a crisis of confidence which is, which is almost—it's close to uh, imposter syndrome, but then it's not because imposter syndrome. That's why people just tell you you can shake your way out of imposter syndrome. Yeah. But if you don't have um, confidence, if you feel like I am—I'm just—I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not worth this. Then it then it can really mess up with your mind here is why i really resonate with that piece and it's so weird not weird because there are no coincidences that's why i ended ended up being given this piece to deliver when i got on radio i was a second i was a second year uh, university student i was studying journalism actually with uh, emphasis on broadcast media so i kind of was on the right track but i was like i was such a shy kid growing up in fact I was so shy. My auntie, my own auntie, my mother's sister did not know I existed until I was 12. And this was how she found out. We're at a Christmas party. My two brothers, you know, ah, they're very loud. Everyone knows them. They're running around playing. And then there's this kid who's just sitting at the corner drinking a Fanta. He's like, who are you by there, I'm like, oh, Mama Victor's son. No, I know Mama Victor. Mama Victor has Victor and Innocent. Who are you? I'm like, I'm... Um,
0: this is your aunt, your mom's sister. Yeah,
4: she's like, no. How old were you, 12? I was, I think, 11 going on 12.
0: So for oh, t- 11 years, she didn't know you existed. She existence.
4: literally grabbed my mom. She's like, wait, you had another child? It's like, yes, right? Uh, like, literally two years after innocent. It's like, but I never see him. And then my mom's like, well, it's because he doesn't talk much. I, I really, and even as an adult, I still have that thing of... I can sit in a room of 10 people and disappear.
0: But that means you didn't feel, at the age of 11, you didn't feel seen or heard.
4: Mm, yeah.
0: So do you feel that as an adult as well? I mean, you're on radio, so you are seen and heard. But that, I would imagine, stays with you and and brings up issues, right?
4: Yeah. In fact, I low-key believe the reason why I act, the reason why I do radio and TV, and why I do them with so much energy is there's a part of me that's still like, just look at me, see me, please, see me, see me. Because wow. when the cameras are off, when the faders are down, when we're just sitting at, even at rehearsals, I can just, I, I feel it, I even feel it happening sometimes. I'm just like, okay, we're disappearing. And I'm just like, it's fine. Just listen to the conversations because at least if you're not going to actively participate in life, so to speak, then you can at least just listen. So,
0: but also your um, life to have lost a brother has not been easy.
4: No, especially because I still to this day I I have very major issues with everyone um, around that time mm. because my brother was a very outspoken person and that's why he was such an amazing radio presenter. Even so, he never hid how he felt. He would literally send me messages and say, ah, I think I'm going through it again. Don't don't worry about me if you don't hear from me for like the next couple of days. I just want to be alone and whatnot. And and I would constantly because I'm the youngest in our family. This is my eldest brother. He's four years older than me. And I would just be telling him like, OK, I can't tr- I can't. I couldn't I couldn't find it in myself to be like, Okay, sit down, let me tell you, bro, I think this is what's going on. The most I would do, I I used to send him links to like online wellness, um, online therapists, uh, and stuff like that. Like that was to me I was like, that's my way of just trying to show him that I acknowledge what you're going through. Uh this is I'm trying to tell you to look at this option. Because also I wasn't able to just outright speak with my brother because a, a lot was happening even sure. in my own life. So yeah. things were very, very shaky. And when in the last couple of months and the run-up to his death, it was it was like you can see some signs and I'm like, but guys, I didn't like how everyone said, no, this is not an issue. He's fine. He will be fine. And... And it was just unfortunate because he was a very cool guy.
0: Nick, thank you for sharing that because I know it's not easy. But I do just want to talk about one thing because it feels like this conversation is not being had again and again in families. Mm. We're not acknowledging what our loved ones are going through until it's too late. It's time to speak up, yes? It's time to join the conversation. Um, The Manic Monologues, I'm hoping, is going to do that. Do you think we're making progress
4: something i really i really love about about projects like the manic monologues is even if you are and oh i really hope i know this is going to happen even even if you are not um the kind of person who's comfortable having such conversations when you are exposed to it especially in this in this production's manner where you will hear several stories back to back Stuff it's like planting seeds. Stuff starts sticking in your mind, and you and you will see something. You will remember an interaction, or see uh, something happening, and you'll be like, "Oh wait, I heard something about that was similar to this." And then that one person goes to speak to this other person, and then it becomes a whole thing. I love how nowadays, even in the last two years, I think the conversation about mental health in Kenya has really changed. It really has. I remember back when if someone said anything about mental health, the first thing they would just be given this look of, okay, let's back away from you mm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. This guy's not saying Anavuta Bangi. Mm. Could that be it? Is it on marijuana? Must be it. Mm. So nowadays the fact that people are openly talking about it. Um where I work at KBC, they t- they literally tell us, um, you shouldn't work five days a week. Because you need time to rest. So I told my boss, "What do you mean? That's what the weekend is for." She's like, "No, the weekend is the weekend. That's designated." Now this is for like people who work Monday to Friday. So she's always like, "Do Monday to Thursday, or do Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Take a day out for just you."
0: That's incredible.
4: I love it, and I think I really, I really hope a lot more people adopt that. And I, and this is so strange because I was telling this to the director. And he was like, oh, so now you take that day to rest. And I was like, no, I use it to look for more money. And it's like, why? (laughs) Why do you do that? You need to rest. And now I'm thinking like, yeah, I think you're right. right." But
0: I think also the fact that Nick Ndeda is on this show, is on KBC, is on stage talking about mental health issues, is going to get other people to talk. Because as much as we perhaps don't feel it, people in the public eye, are role models and if it's okay for you to talk mm-hmm. about it then perhaps another person who's not in the public eye feels okay maybe it's okay for me to talk about it that's true because the stigma is being removed mm-hmm. i'm gonna give you a, a break because i'm so grateful for you sharing nick and i know it's not easy so thank you let's go okay. to your first song choice it's smiley faces why have you chosen this song so. by narls barkley right
4: so, yes, Niles Barkley. And I would highly recommend that you listen to the entire album. It's called Saint Elsewhere. It is a 38-minute album. This is what's unique about Niles Barkley. Every single song they did, it's a group uh, duo. Every single song is a different genre. It starts from gospel. Second song is... Hip hop's third song is rock, fourth song is smiley faces, which is jazzy. It's got a jazz vibe to it. It literally sounds like a song that came out of the nineteen sixties.
0: I listened to it. I was like, whoa, this is interesting. I listened to a lot of different music from right? the show, yeah.
4: So. And that came out and that song came out in two thousand and six. I remember when I first heard it, I was in campus and um uh, campus life was crazy for me because again I went to this university that was very vibrant. Everyone was always trying to be seen. And I'm like Ah, uh, not again so I used to like just chilling by myself in certain areas so I used to listen to music on headphones and every time I hear this song to this day I can't help but smile because I'm like how did you manage to engineer that is it something that they planted in our mindset because it's called smiley faces automatically you want to smile when you hear it but it's a really really cool song and I really like the word play in it
0: okay well let's have a listen
3: What did you do, what did you say, or did you walk, or did you run?
5: Overnight or did it take you long Was knowing your weakness
3: What made you strong Or all the above Oh how I love to see you smiling And oh yeah Take a little pain just in case Give me something warm to embrace To help you put on a smile Time. Oh, see, see you.
0: Welcome back. What a great song. We're and Nick. We're talking the Manic Monologues. Thank you for sharing as well. We did the table read uh, a few weeks ago now. It feels like a long time ago. <laughs> a lot has happened since then. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the table read like for you, for the Manic Monologues? The first time you're seeing the script, you don't know what you're letting yourself into. What should have been a three-hour table read turned out to be six because everybody shared so openly. It was six? Yeah, it was like six hours of chat. Wow. Oh, wow. the show! By the way, <laughs> listeners, the show is not six hours. I think it's about an <laughs> hour and a half in mm. total, but with the monologues and then we shared after. We were chatting for six hours. Wow,
4: and rightfully so. I wasn't expecting because I've done lots of table reads, so I was just expecting it to be like the, you know the typical you'll read something and be like, Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, I can't wait to see who's going to perform that oh I'm getting to do this cool but I found myself i found myself in this in this um zone where I get it I get it that it's okay it's it's actually encouraged to be vulnerable even around people whom you And we'd never met. Yeah, because we'd never met. So I remember at one point I was like, dude, what are you doing? You are in this person's house. And here you (laughs) are. It was at my
0: house, by the way, guys. So
4: (laughs) here you are, trying to tear up, talking about things that I have ordinarily never spoken of. Like, one of the things I never talk to people about is how I hate, how I hate, how I hate people saying, Using "you're crazy" as a compliment, mm. like "ah, oh, that's a, that's such an interesting thing." Hey, you're so crazy for doing that show. Mm. You're so crazy for, d-. and I'm and I'm always like, don't say that. I don't like it because for me, I can't get the negative connotation out of it.
0: The word "crazy," yeah. Okay, we talked about language, and and we'll come back to the table read. But we talked about language at the table read. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. when we were saying how to say, and you said it earlier on, to say commit suicide is yeah. not acceptable mm-hmm. anymore. Now, Wakia, you were quite open that you didn't really have much um, understanding, perhaps, of mental illness or, or, or experience of it.
1: Exposure, maybe. Yeah. I'd say that. Um, and maybe I have, and then I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah. Uh, because, as I said, during the table read, first of all, I've had experiences on table reads where Uh, It turns into a therapy session, (laughs) especially with Back to Basics, but more during the co-creation process rather than during a table read. And for me, I've been that kind of person, and I think I said it as well, that um, I've always felt like you need to have control over your life and that you need to um, forget about past experiences that are traumatic to you and just try and move on. Like uh, everybody's gone through a difficult time in their lives, and everybody's trying to make the best out of their lives. Um, I was not cognizant of the fact that uh, some things are beyond our control, and that it's uh, it's important to accept that there are people who do not have that strength or that willpower or that um, control over certain things and certain aspects of their lives, and there are they are people. And just to respect the fact that they do exist and to try and create an environment for them to be able to flourish. And so that was what was really happening during the table read. It was getting clearer that even people that I knew at the table read and some of the things that they were saying and I was getting aha moments and wow moments and my my jaw dropping as well and seeing that um, some things we just ignore but we need to we really need to stop ignoring what is going on in other people's lives and be aware that we are all different and we are all going through different things and we all respond differently to different circumstances and appreciate that diversity and work with other people to make their lives even better so yeah it was really um mind blowing session for me and um especially when it when most guys were talking about their relationship with with either God or religion, and, and that's really close to me. As a Christian, it's really close to me, and so I, was, I started seeing how even as Christians or religious bodies, we contribute in, in making people move away from this God that we worship instead of drawing them closer to this God. We, mis- we misrepresent this God. We misrepresent these values that, uh, that we have learned through, say, the holy books and it just it was very weighty for me and my role that i need to play in my life to to represent the values to represent the um, this god that i i claim to believe in
0: I feel like you went on a journey in those few hours, huh? Because we, there you talked about religion, we talked about language of how you talk about mental mentally ill people. Yeah. You talk about uh, understanding mental illness more because you can't just leave things in the background. Because mental illness is just that it's an illness, it's
1: an illness, a real illness. Yeah.
0: And so it could be chemically in your brain, it could be, there's so much to it, it, it manifests in your body. Um, do you feel that the Manic Monologues from, and I'm asking both of you this question, is going to be able to start this conversation about and, and change people's opinions like it did yours work you. mm-hmm. Do you think the Manic Monologues is going to be the start of this? Or, or is it going to be a continuation? Is it going to be powerful enough? Because I believe it will be. But what do you two d- believe? Because you're both doing the monologues.
1: I think... The foundation of anything is really important. Why are we doing the manic monologues mm-hmm. is the biggest question. Are we doing it because mental illness, mental wellness is in and, you know, it can get you funding or it can, you know, it can, it's By an By the agenda. way, there
0: ain't no funding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there's the question of the why yeah. that we're doing it. And I think from the table read, it was very clear that the why is because it's important. Mm -hmm. It's such a weighty and important topic that needs to be discussed, that needs to be highlighted. It explains a lot of things. For instance, as a parent, um, when you have children who are maybe depressive or they are manic and you are not aware, you might end up killing that child, you know, because they will act in ways that is not normal.
0: to you you
1: know and so if you are aware that there could be a situation here that this child is maybe doing these things beyond out of their it's out of their control and that they need help
0: adhd or autism or whatever that's causing yeah
1: exactly your child could be in the spectrum yeah and you are not aware so i think it's just creating that awareness and making society understand that mental illness is a real illness that needs caregiving and if we are at that place where we understand we need to provide care for anyone who's if you have a cancer patient at home you will give them care Absolutely. if your child gets burn wounds you will give them care so it's the same way if your child has a mental illness or um the or,
0: or your sibling or parents or your or sibling
1: or your neighbor yeah you need to give them care. So I think this conversation and the approach that uh, Mugambi is taking is not about fun, you know, like creating a hula below around mental illness. It's about factual stories and like a journey that people just, the journey you, you say that I took in those six hours, yes, yes. that's the journey that I am hoping and praying that every member of the audience is going to go through.
0: Nick,
4: what do you think? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of relatability okay. um, in the text, so um, I feel the conversation will only grow from from here once uh, they watch the Manic Monologues because you'll be able to identify something you have seen, someone you know or something you have heard about someone you know in one, if not two, three, four of those stories. So I really like the fact that it's that it's all about that. And when someone comes to watch it, they will definitely be able to pick something. There's there, Even in the littlest bit, because especially when it comes to stuff like ADHD, which a lot of people don't, don't even know, they don't know about it. And there are a lot of, okay, not a lot, but there's a couple of people who you can literally see the symptoms of ADHD in them. But they're just like, no, may I just have trouble focusing? That's it. And I'm like,
3: mm-hmm.
4: really? You think that that's it? You think? You just have trouble focusing, just like that. So, um, enlightenment—it'll be—it'll be enlightening for a lot of people, if not everyone. So, and I even think for the for the performers, for us as the performers, um, it's also because we're you literally using our bodies and ourselves to um, carry these stories forward. So there's also there's like also a, a certain level of growth within ourselves that we also get to yeah, go through.
1: Yeah, that I agree with. We are also going through some level of enlightenment yeah. mm. as well because there are different ways that mental illness manifests itself. Exactly. And uh, for me as a person, I was not aware about some of these ways that it manifests itself. And so that just reading through these scripts, whether it's my monologue or it's somebody else's monologue, just reading through the entire script is in itself a journey of enlightenment.
0: It's interesting because we think of uh, mental illness as, and, and to use your word, Nick, was crazy. He's crazy. Or it's depression or it's stress. And that's kind of where we stay with it. But in the manic monologues, we talk about so much more. We exactly. talk about psychosis and uh, alcoholism and ADHD, as you say. So it really is a journey. There's moments of light, lightness as well. I think some of the... Um, some of the monologues are told with some lightness. There's some very heavy moments. But it's that journey. What, uh, what You're doing a few monologues. What monologue sticks for you, Wakio? Which is the one that you really resonate with?
1: Almost 17. Um, mm-hmm. because it's Without about, giving
0: away too much because we want listeners to come and watch.
1: So almost 17 resonates with me because A, I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. And B, I always have these questions that play in my head about, am I being a good mom? Mm -hmm. Um, This human being who's my responsibility, are they going to turn out right? Will they one day say they're doing something wrong because their mother didn't do something right? Or are they going? You know, are they going to blame me for you know some of the characteristics that they develop along the way? So all these um, uncertainties about how my children will turn out to be, and um, feeling that responsibility as a human being, and knowing that I'm not perfect, that I have my faults, that I have my moments when. Uh, I really just don't want to take care of anybody. (laughs) There are moments when I just want to be myself and I feel like I need the taking care of. Uh, So I think that's how I related mostly with uh, Almost 17 because it spoke to me as a parent. And uh, it made me really question a few things about how I... I am winging this motherhood thing.
0: Which I think so many moms are going to resonate to. I think most mothers... I can't, I can't think there is a mother who thinks who's sitting there thinking I'm perfect. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope there isn't a mother who's sitting there thinking I'm perfect. And there's but no way. <laughs> or
1: thinking that my kids are going to turn out just right. Uh, well, no matter what you do, they will make their own choices. Absolutely. But yeah, it's just that feeling of, have I done enough?
0: I think they that's every mother. That yeah. 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 So I think there there're going to be so many people out there in the audience who's going to resonate with that one. In I'm not a mom and I and I was like blown away by that one as well. What about you Nick? What's the one that resonates with you?
4: Uh, definitely the drop yeah. and that's yeah. because it's it talks <laughs> of it talks of confidence crisis. It's uh it's a it's an actual thing and you can talk yourself out of doing some really really cool things because you don't think cause you don't think that you are uh, you're worthy of it one time I did and this is actually why I don't like doing TV commercial auditions cuz um, I once went for one and in my head I was like ah, TV auditions these um commercial TV commercials are for Um, beautiful girls and very buff very clean (laughs) polished type of guys so why should I go for this and then I went for it and then I got picked and then I never went (gasps) the day of the shoot I sent a text to the production manager and I was just like I think I'm, like, really, really sick. Is like, no, 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 it's fine. If it's a headache, don't worry. We'll have someone set. I was like, no, 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 I'm really sick. Then I was like, no, Kwoni, what is it? What, what what's, so, what's so wrong with Then I told him, out of nowhere, I was just like, I have explosive diarrhea. I cannot leave the house. And he was like, ah, okay. We have don't to come f- in. Don't, just stay. And I was, was like. Was it
0: a, cr- okay, I just want to remind you that this is going to be broadcast. Uh, he'll know now.
4: Yeah. <laughs> You were, well, and it must be like no, shame no, no, on you, Nick. No, no, no. But no. it's because I was very
0: no. Let's not say shame on you, Nick, at all. Because it was a crisis of confidence, and yeah. it was it was something you just felt unable to show up for.
4: I didn't think that I was going to be picked. I went because I was. I heard there was an audition. Tried out. I was like, oh no, it's a TV commercial. But I'm already here. Let me just try. And then they liked it. And I was like, but I see TV commercials every day. I see
0: pretty boys and pretty girls but that means that's a crisis of confidence you had imposter syndrome you felt you couldn't do it Mm -hmm. do you realize that now
4: now i like do i realize that that was more of an imposter syndrome than a crisis of confidence
0: no no i think it was a bit of both
4: yeah it's a it's definitely a little bit of both because you (laughs) felt
0: you couldn't do it as in imposter syndrome as in imposter syndrome is when you uh, are doing something, doing it well, but don't think you're good enough, mm-hmm. and that was actually part of it there because you were chosen for it, but you felt I'm not good enough for this. Yeah. So there was a crisis of confidence that you just didn't show, and had explosive diarrhea.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because you had you
4: had the confidence to actually do the audition. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but but it was with the feeling of I'm not good enough.
4: And I, truth be told, I as much as I'm intentional even at auditions. I was telling myself, you won't get this. I'm Just get it over n- with though.
0: Imposter syndrome. See, I think we don't even know when we're going through some kind of mental crisis. Because mental crisis doesn't mean you have to be in hospital or on medication. Mm-hmm. or su- even, even a panic attack. I say even a panic, a panic attack. A mild panic attack is a, me- is a form of mental illness. Mm. So I think we've got to recognize that it, there's a spectrum. Right, you can have a panic attack or you could have panic disorder, anxiety right. disorder. Yeah, which is the other level.
1: Yeah, Cuz what hmm. what 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 I would have told Nick if he had reached out to me to tell me that he's not able to do that. I was like, just stop being negative. Yes. Stop being negative. Just have some positivity. You can do it. What's wrong
0: which, with you? Which is nothing wrong with that sometimes to give them a bit of a kick up the ass, right? To say, just get on with it. But sometimes it's a case of Nick, what really is behind mm-hmm. this crisis of confidence? What's really behind the reason? You're how do you get kidding?
1: people talking though? Because, you know, like... Uh, Asking
0: the right questions.
1: The thing that we always say, like, uh, say, uh, when you ask someone, Nick, how are you? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so fine to me is effed up, insecure, neurotic and emotional.
3: Ooh. Wow. Okay.
0: And that's why We explosive like, diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. we were not allowed when I was hospitalized, we were not allowed to say to our therapist, "I'm fine." Mm-hmm. We had to say how we were feeling because she says fine means those four mm. things. So it's quite interesting. We say we're okay, but what does that really mean? You're fine, but what does that really mean? I'm not turning up for an uh for the sh- job because why? What's really behind that? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just a question. But tell me what that feels like. You know, th- that's a therapist go to, right? Mm-hmm. What does that feel like, Nick? Not going. What does that feel like, right? Yeah. Mm. <sighs> okay. Look, we have to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we do, I want to I want to go to work here because. I feel like after the Manic Monologues, I'm going to send you all to a deserted island to rest because I feel like we're going to need it. It's quite an intense few periods, right? What book would you take with you, Akio?
1: I will take take the Bible. I will take the Bible for this one reason because um, I'm a Christian, A, and B, I strongly do believe that my health comes from God. And I think a desert is a place where I will need help. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a nice tropical island, but you'll have loads of time to read the Bible. So.
1: Huh, nice tropical <laughs> island, you say? Don't trust you.
0: <laughs> I'm mortified. I'm mm. your executive producer. <laughs> I've been really nice to you. I give you cake. <laughs> <laughs> but I
1: think I would need a lot of decompressing after that. After the After, the yeah, after Manic Monologues. Yeah, So so,
0: so the Bible is the most chosen book on the show. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. most chosen. And then the Quran and then the alchemist.
1: Oh, so now I'm in the statistics.
0: Oh, God, she doesn't like I want that. it to be unique. No, no. The, the Bible's most chosen. Anyway, <laughs> but your song choice is unique. I've never heard it before. Jure? Yeah.
1: Jure is a, a song... Well, Jira is provider. So I think in a place where... Um, I don't know what else I can do. I'll need someone who's in control. And I think for me, God is always in control and He's got me. And He's going to be Jira for me in that desert island or whatever else you're going to take me. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. And uh, your luxury item? Mm, a picture of my three
1: amazing children. Shout out to you, Mzwana, Java, and Loli. Oh. Love you guys so <laughs> much. But yeah, um, I think they're a constant reminder of. Why I do most of the things that I do, not entirely everything that I do, but why I do most of the things that I do. They're such a motivation. They are so blunt, it hurts. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there are those people who are just out there with so much audacity to spend all the money I work so hard for. <laughs>
0: I love it. She loves you really, kid. She really does. She talks about you all the time at rehearsal. Okay, let's have a listen to your song, Jireh, by Elevation Worship and Maverick City.
3: I'll never be more loved than I am right. I can see so clear what it's all about. So stay by my side.
0: Welcome back to Mindfulness Music and more. We have Wakio and Nick in the studio today telling us about the manic monologues coming up this October. And every week I do a meditation. So guys, are you happy to join us in the meditation?
1: Yes. They're, trying,
0: they're whispering in the background. Nobody's listening to a word I'm <laughs> saying. Okay. He's <laughs> like a naughty school child. Um, today we're going to do connection and grounding. I think you'll like this one, Wakio, because it's about connection to a higher power. Nice. So just sitting back and putting your hands on your heart chakra, which is in the center of your heart, right hand and then left hand on top and bringing awareness to your breathing, breathing in through your nose and breathing out through your nose. You can close your eyes or lower your gaze, whatever you feel comfortable with. Honor every breath into your body and every breath out. Breathing in and breathing out. And then take your awareness to your belly button to your navel and just behind this is a golden speck and this golden speck is beginning to grow upwards like a thread going up through the center of your body up through your head up to the top of your head and going upwards and connecting to whatever higher power you believe in. And just feel that connection. You might even feel that your body sits up a bit more, that you're connected to the God that you believe in or the absolute or the truth, whatever higher power you believe in. And then go back to that speck behind your belly button and feel the thread going downwards, down to the center of the earth. And let Mother Earth now ground you and connect you and you might feel that you're being pulled in two different directions you're connected and you're grounded and just feel that your connection to your higher power for the rest of the day will guide you will bless you and will protect you your grounding to mother earth will support you will nourish you, and will center you. And just stay with that connection. And then bring your awareness back to your breathing, breathing in and breathing out. Slowly come back to my voice, to the room you're in. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes. And how are we feeling, Wakio? Okay, she wants Nick to speak. How are you feeling, Nick?
4: Uh, my back feels straighter. Mm. Which is cool. I was, uh, yeah, my back feels straighter, which is.
0: You were pulled up, kind of thing. Are you religious, Nick? Are you connected? Do you mm. feel connected to a higher power?
4: Um, I do believe in a, in a higher power, supreme being, sort, mm-hmm. but I'm not religiously yes. affiliated, yeah.
0: Yeah, like me, exactly. Um, and then the grounding also helps center. And and as our, um, our actors, we need we. I'm not an actor. I'm an actor now after the monologue. <laughs> you haven't seen my monologue. That <laughs> um, you need grounding, don't you? Especially mm-hmm. with material like this, it feels like it really pulls you.
4: Absolutely.
0: So. Wakio, how are you?
1: Yeah, I think it's similar to Nick. I just feel I feel um, rooted. Mm. I feel firm
0: you. I felt a bit emotional with you there a minute. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll move on. Nick, I'm going to take you to a lovely tropical island. All right. Um, are you going to take one book with you? What will it be?
4: The book would definitely be The River and the Source. Why? Because, so, this book was a set book in Kenyan schools uh, many, many years back. Who is back. it by? Uh, I believe it's Margaret Ogola.
1: Margaret Ogola. Okay. Mm.
4: So, um, there's this little thing that actors like saying because a lot of the actors my age did it in school or have heard of it. So, everyone has read this book. I haven't.
0: I haven't read
4: it. I haven't. But mine is like, I haven't read it not because I haven't had the opportunity to. In fact, that book is in my bag right now as we speak. I have carried it with me every day for the last maybe six seven months
0: why and you haven't you read it
4: i have not even flipped open a page
0: so why are you carrying it around
4: just so that the next time someone's like in conversation river and the Source," i'll be like oh funny i was just reading the oh my goodness <laughs> flash the book and <laughs> put it back like what's your favorite part i haven't finished no spoilers
1: <laughs> lord shalini what we were whispering about i was trying to tell you something about the river and the source. and he's like huh huh so it's because you haven't, read, haven't it.
4: read it i haven't read it but yeah. I will, but I will, take me to the island, I'm going to read it, I'll have nothing but time.
0: Okay, I find this so funny, you know, you're revealing all these secrets, you realize this is going to be broadcast, Imagine. it's not just a conversation between me and Mokio, right?
4: Worry not, I will, <laughs> I'll save my face, maybe I'll read it this weekend, who knows.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to hold you to it when I see you at rehearsal. The, the first day before we get on stage, I'm going to be, Nick, have you read it?
4: Pressure.
0: On. What about the song?
4: Song. My. This song. Uh. It's called Power by Kanye West. So many reasons why I like this song. One of them. Um. Top one is because this song took five thousand hours to make. Um. Apparently he recorded the whole, uh, session of making this one song, and it's. It took a lot. It took like eight engineers. He rewrote his verses like I think twenty times and recorded it over because 5,000 hours he broke it down to about 8 months 8 months working on one song it,
0: it better be bloody good it
4: better be bloody good <laughs> guess what Power by Kanye West is not only the strongest song on the album it also won the Grammy for best rap song and it's also I think Kanye West's most um most the song where he showed people I have great production skills.
0: Right, and gotcha.
4: It just it sounds amazing. Every single every single second of that four minute fifty-two second mm-hmm. song, you can feel I can feel the work that went into it. So I really appreciate it whenever I hear it.
0: I think we're going to listen to it very differently now because we know how much work's gone. Because I know that when I see a dance production on a Bollywood film, and I know that they've done 12 days of filming Mm -hmm. and 80 dancers behind, and it's taken so many months to choreograph. Mm -hmm. I look at it very differently to just like you've thrown it together in a few minutes. Yeah, (laughs) and that's why
1: a lot of audiences, whenever they see a piece of work, film or whatever, they're like,
0: "Hmm, okay, seems
4: like simple enough. Mm-hmm.
0: They don't see the value. It took you, you guys three
1: three months right. to
0: shoot like
4: 12 episodes. Why? Yeah. i like, you, know? you think we shoot an episode a day? <laughs> oh, it's sunlight. Let's shoot this scene. Okay, we're well done. Episode two tomorrow. <laughs> I right. love that you you know the work
1: that was put in that song. I think that's... Um,
0: I like he, that. He's
1: nosy about a lot of music.
0: Yeah. So no, I do that like that. It's, it's really interesting information. So. Uh, what about the object?
4: The luxury object mm. that I would take with mm. me. I would take a Rubik's Cube.
0: Okay, why?
4: I would take a Rubik's Cube with me because I have nothing but time. <laughs> one day I will figure it out.
0: I think there's a formula to it.
4: Is there? Yeah. Because I've had Rubik's Cube since I was a kid. I've never even done okay, so one just side. Check
0: on TikTok because I saw it on TikTok. <sighs> there's like an easy way to do it.
4: <sighs> ah,
1: but, hacks.
0: Then, but then you might not want to take a Rubik's Cube because you'll do it in like... Then I'll be like, oh Yeah, my.
1: don't check it out, please. Oh, yeah. Let it take the whole vacation mm-hmm. and come back when you haven't even figured you know, it out.
0: When I was a kid, I actually peeled off all the stickers and stuff. Cheat oh. code. <laughs> oh my Sheet goodness. Code. It was ruined. Absolutely ruined. But there you go. I did that because I was like, I can't do it. So I'm going to do... It. Yeah, but I was a kid. I was a kid. Anyway, thank you both for coming to the show. It's been so great to know more about you and your perspective of the manic monologues. I'd like to present each of you Yay. with my book happiness Yay. it's a mindset shift um, as a thank you for appearing on the show thank you thank you you very you've much. read have you read the dating one with i did give that to you
1: yeah i haven't finished it though dating book. but yeah it's um online dating at 40 it speaks to oh. me <laughs>
0: Yeah, she saw it in the lounge and she's like, I need to read this. I was like, can I give a copy? <laughs> to all my listeners, these books are now available at Textbook Center and Rafu Books in Kenya and Amazon worldwide. Please also follow me for more mental health tips, mindfulness meditations, and a lot more, especially about the manic monologues at the moment on my social media at JustJoom, J-U-S-T-J-H-O-O-M. Guys, what would you like to say about the manic monologues and also share your uh, social media?
1: Manic Monologues is not just a show; it's gonna be part of your life. Come through. I'm at Wakium Zenge on all my socials.
0: Great.
4: Um, it's uh, man, the Manic Monologues is very, very transformative, uh, and I love that it's entertaining as it's as entertaining as it is educative. So, definitely, you're coming in. Uh, one person, you will come out. Um, I'm a richer human being because of the wealth of knowledge and stuff that's going to be shared. So yes, please come through and then we can take photos after. And then you can tag me. If you tag me, it's at Nick Ndeda. Look for the one who wears bright colors, (laughs) not the one with the beard.
0: Okay. Or The suit or the suit (laughs) okay because he's a different profession yeah okay thank you so much both of you to all my listeners if you or someone you know is struggling with any mental health issues please do seek professional help whether that be a counselor or your doctor also to say at the Manic Monologues we'll be having a therapist on site at all times as we have been doing for our rehearsals A therapist on call you can also open up and share your feelings and mental health issues anonymously without fear of judgment on Bonga .bonga www.bonga.org Dot K-E. This is a safe space where you can start the healing process. We're going to play out the show with Nick's final song choice, which is Power by Kanye West. Kanye West. And remember, mental health is a taboo here in Kenya. The Manic Monologues aims to disrupt this silence and stigma. Don't miss out. Join the conversation from the 5th to the 8th of October at Nairobi's Signature Auditorium. Book your tickets now on Kenya Buzz. Capital FM is one of our media partners as well. So thank you to Capital FM. I'm Charlene Ibala-Lucas. I'm grateful to all of you for your time today. Thank you for listening. And until next week, stay happy, be mindful.
5: Broken. The school's closed, the prison's open. We ain't got nothing to lose, everybody. We rolling. Uh, everybody, we rolling. With some light skinned girls and some Kelly Rollins. And this white man world, we the ones chosen. So good night, cool world. I see you in the morning. Uh, I see you in the morning. This is way too much, I need a moment. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I